I'm Jess. And I'm Mel. And this is Hot Chocolate Jam! A bite-sized mini-sode to get you through the week. You can find Chocolate Jam Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud or Stitcher. Our theme song is Belgian Waffles by the Underscore Orchestra. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Chocolate Jam Podcast or shoot us through an email at chocolatejampodcast at gmail.com. Mel, I think it's time for a new segment. A new segment? A new segment. OMG. This segment is called History Tarts. Hmm. And thank you, Amanda, for the name. Oh, shout out to Amanda. Shout out to Amanda. Today on History Tarts, I am going to tell you something really cool that I learned about beer. Hmm. Beer? Beer. Okay. I don't actually like beer. Neither do I. But let's talk about it for the next 15 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? (laughs) But do you know what I do like? Feminism. Yeah, feminism's pretty cool. Okay, so let me tell you some stuff that I've recently learned about beer. Okay. Beer has been around, as we all know, for thousands and thousands of years. Um, The ancient Egyptians gave it to their slaves to keep them not dead during the building of the pyramids. It's been the food of, or the the sustenance of the common people for, well, thousands of years. Mm -hmm. In medieval times, and presumably quite a bit before that, beer was the most commonly drunk beverage uh, in the household because to make beer you have to boil the water. Yeah. Which means that you clean the water. So when people would drink water, they would get sick. But when people drank beer, they didn't because the beer was cleaner yeah. than the water. It had been purified. So yeah. everybody in the whole house drank beer, which is just, hmm. like, to us now is a bit nuts because you're like, um, children? But, yeah. yeah. Well, they couldn't drink water. So better, Better drunk than dead, I suppose. Better yeah. drunk than dead. Because beer was essentially something that was made, you know, in within the household, in a homely context, mm-hmm. it was made by women. Because that's what happens when you okay. have things in a household in a homely context, is, sure. is that, that women are traditionally responsible for making them. So, mm-hmm. you know, throughout history, women have been responsible for making beer, which is pretty cool. Uh, if you think about the beer industry now, it's like so... Yeah, it's very, like, you know, baby. So male-dominated. Yep. You know, when I was researching this article, I read a couple of accounts by women who were brewing craft beer about mm-hmm. how, about the sexism that they face in the industry today, and, like, they'll have people come in and be like, where is the brewmaster? And they'll be like, I am the brewmaster. And they'll be like, ha ha ha, where is the brewmaster? <laughs> you know, so it is such a male-dominated industry, and beer is something that we think of so much as being for men, by men, all about men. But no, women had the monopoly on beer for thousands of freaking years. Until... Europe, 1300s, really, really big deal, the Black Death. Mel's laughing at me. Why are you laughing at me? It has nothing to do with anything that you're saying, and it has everything to do with the fact that I just picked up your cup of tea and drunk it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm really sorry. That's okay. I'm like, why does this taste all minty and honey-like? That's because it's not my tea, it's your tea. Alright, awesome. There you go. Cool. Please continue. So, the Europe- Black Death, you say? <laughs> Europe in the 1300s. It is my fault. I did, like, I was cradling my tea on my lap mm. earlier, and um, now then I put it down pretty much in front of Mel, so. And I'm quasi-comatose and not, a pain, not paying attention to these things, so <laughs> I apologise. So Europe in the 1300s, the Black Death, mm-hmm. uh, sweeps, ravages Europe devastating populations and and families yes so all of a sudden you have all of these women 
who don't have families to make beer for. And all of these families who have lost the person in their house who makes beer, and because water is not drinkable, like, Mm. beer is, like, super essential. So you have the development of what's called the alewife. So an alewife is is a woman Hmm. who supplies beer to families who don't have any. Those poor families desperately in need of beer. Of beer. Which you joke, but it's like, if you replace beer with water, that's legit. that would be an actual problem. Um, So the birth of the alewife actually created this little economy Mm. that was completely run and managed by women. So women had all of the knowledge, all of the the kind of power, all of the understanding of how to make this um, incredibly important household resource. So now we're able to gain a new independence by becoming alewives and selling beer to people. Mm. Like it was this very feminine it was a very feminine thing to do, and and so you had all of these women becoming, you know, gaining this amazing independence mm. through, you know, you, you didn't need a man, you didn't need to be able to own property, you didn't. All you needed was a cauldron. All you needed was some fucking beer making skills, evidently. It's <laughs> pretty sweet. So you might be wondering, Mel, why mm-hmm. do women no longer make beer? What happened that making beer became something that <clears throat> men did? Instead of women. Well, I just assumed it was you know, modern industrialism, but tell me, Jess. Actually, no, it's not modern industrialism. Well, there you go. Uh, it's good old-fashioned patriarchy. So, let me tell you a little bit about the so, alewife. The way that a lot of things get fucked up, yes. Yes. <sighs> tell um, me. So, the alewife, because she had a good working knowledge of, of beer mm-hmm. and, and hops and other herbs, how mm-hmm. to brew different types of beer. Mm-hmm. So, she was really good with uh, herbal law. She would, you know, beer was often used as a kind of a restorative thing and she might mix different herbs in to make different uh, potions, I guess. Mm. You know, to, to give the beer different properties depending on what was required. She would usually make beer in a cauldron, nice big cauldron mm. over the fire, stirring in her herbs. When the beer was ready to be sold... She would put a broom at the front of her house huh. to indicate that the beer was ready to be sold. Uh, because right. she had a lot of grains around her house, she'd have sacks, sacks full of grains in order to make the beer. Grains attract mice. What do we? What, what did we used to do to keep out mice? Mel, we get cats. Oh yes, yes. And the cherry on the top oh. of this beautiful little picture that we're building here is. When, it, when an alewife would go and sell her wares at the markets, in order to distinguish herself as an alewife and stand out from the crowd, she would wear a black pointy hat. Yes. So we can see where this is going. Yes. The, so, the demonization of the alewife via the stereotypical witch. Absolutely. Mm. So... I mean, this is absolutely fascinating because you have, you know, all of these tropes associated with the stereotypical witch. You have, mm-hmm. you and, and, and they're all there. You have the cauldron, mm-hmm. you have the herbs, you have the hat, you have the broom, you have the cats. Yep. They're all associated with witches. And, you know, I mean, it's never actually, it had never occurred to me previously to question, why do we associate witches with all of these very specific things? Turns out that's why. So the independence that women could gain through being an alewife was obviously a major threat to the patriarchal structures of the church and the society at the time. So, well, a lot of uh, kind of communication at the time was very much controlled by the church and by, well, all of it was controlled by these very patriarchal structures. You know, they had the monopoly on art, on literature, on all of these methods of mass communication. Mm. And so through art and literature 
alewives were constantly depicted as as evil, as belonging in hell, as burning in hell. It was essentially a smear campaign against women, uh, against specifically the independent women who were the alewives. Mm-hmm. And brewing became became something that over time women were less and less able to be associated with mm-hmm. and eventually fell into the hands of men. Right. And that is how, through a feminist history of beer, we have achieved the modern image of the Halloween witch. Which I bet is not where you were thinking that would end up. Not at all. <laughs> and it's made me think of something along this kind of witch okay. alcohol line as well. That is very interesting. That's seriously cool. So that's sort of charting the creation of yeah the witch. The witch. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, a few hundred years later mm-hmm. um, in America, you had the Salem witch trials and mm-hmm. a lot of these images were very much associated with the women who were being persecuted. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and the, the rest is history, literally. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just, I found that absolutely fascinating. Mel, have you... I've got a slight little offshoot to that. I don't think it connects directly to that, but... When you were talking about this, it was just making me think of something. The word witch in Italian is strega. Mm-hmm. And there is a liqueur oh, okay. called strega. And okay. it has a witch on, on the, bottle. the bottle. Yeah. So basically why that is, is because, and the reason why I know strega, is it was created in Benevento, which is an area that's near where my family is from. Okay. Um, so it's sort of like a local liqueur. Of my family's area. It's not in the same region, but it's very close. And, yeah, that's it's called Strega, and it's called that because that area, Benevento, was, um... There's got all these associations with witchcraft and all this kind of thing, so... Yeah, I don't know. I just thought wow. it was really interesting. It was making that me think of that. Um, it was just making me think of what you were saying, and um, and it's and it's a herb, you know, it's like a herbal liqueur. It's like a digestive. It's yeah. So you wonder what is the history? What what is the history behind this mm. liqueur being given this name that is so associated with kind of I guess forbidden femininity? Yeah, in a sense, because if you get right down to it, that's what a witch is. It's a woman who does what is forbidden. Is against what society is telling her she can and cannot do and and just does her own thing and that's when you get right down to it that's what a witch is yeah i'm just i'm just checking it out on the millennial encyclopedia wikipedia yeah the history Shout out to wikipedia <laughs> yeah the history the history of the witches of benevento folklore dating back to at least the 13th century wow which incidentally is the same time as our alewives start to appear mm. at the time that the plague swept through europe yeah. Coincidence? Don't know. Maybe. Maybe dun, not. Dun, dun. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, that's. Uh, if you would like to read more about the feminist history of beer, there is a wealth of information available to you on the internet. I would in particular point you towards a wonderful article on Autostraddle um, by Heather Hogan. Um, if you just Google Heather Hogan beer, you will probably find it. And, um, and I would like to credit her appearance on Buffering the Vampire Slayer for bringing <laughs> this whole fascinating fact from history to my attention. So that I could then bring it to you, dear oh, listeners. Lovely. Hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> you can find Chocolate Jam Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud or Stitcher. Our theme song is Belgian Waffles by the underscore orchestra. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Chocolate Jam Podcast or shoot us through an email at chocolatejampodcast.com at gmail.com.